It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is January 5th, 2020. Tomorrow tomorrow will also be January 6th, 2020. My name is Philip Rosenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll talk all about the Magic's loss to the Utah Jazz, a 109-96 defeat at the Amway Center, a game that saw plenty of promising signs for a team that is still trying to find its way without Jonathan Isaac, but also some concerning signs and some things that this team certainly has to work on. We'll talk all about that coming up here in just a moment. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, this podcast covering every single team at the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want to get the lowdown on the Utah Jazz perspective of Saturday's game? Check out Locked On Jazz. Want to look ahead to Monday's monumental, huge, humongous, eh, not really that big, but it's a pretty pretty important matchup with the Brooklyn Nets. Check out Locked On Nets. Now, that, that game big, of course, because the Magic and Nets are separated by one game in the standings. It's what we like to call in the soccer business a six-pointer. You can find all these great podcasts, plus our national podcast, Locked on NBA, Locked on Fantasy Basketball, Projecting the Screen, and the Duncan and Hollinger NBA Show. Wherever you download podcasts, just search for Locked on and the team you're looking for, whether it's the NBA, NFL, NHL, college, or MLB, you can find a Locked on podcast for you. The Locked on Podcast Network, it's your team every day. The one thing that I think we could say about the Orlando Magic without Jonathan Isaac uh, is that... This team is willing to fight. They're in the fight. They're willing to get into the mud. They're willing to get into the muck. And, and as I said on, on Saturday's episode of Locked on Magic, uh, following the Magic's win over the Miami Heat, it does sort of feel like when you kind of watch them that they're turning a little bit of a corner, at least in, 
their approach and their effort. As, as they mentioned on the Fox Sports Florida broadcast, over the last six games, or six, six games previous to, the, to Saturday's game, the Magic were second in the league in defensive rating. And, and as I noted, Orlando had given up less than 100 points per 100 possessions in four of their previous six meetings, or six outings, um, coming off of that West Coast road trip. So the Magic have come home a little bit, and they've had some time at home now, and sort of centered themselves a little bit. Even with the injury to Jonathan Isaac, the defensive effort and, and defensive attention to detail is, is much greater than it has been at various points in this season. So I do think we see we can see and are seeing positive signs when it comes to uh, the Orlando Magic and, and, and the way that they are playing. But without a doubt, too, that margin for error is still very, very small. Without a doubt, too, the Magic are still trying to, to find their way and still trying to, to get everything down pat. And coming out a little bit sluggishly against Utah Jazz, giving up 33 points in the first quarter, Orlando looked like a team that, you know, can expend a lot of energy, but maybe doesn't have a lot in reserve. Orlando, though, to their credit, and as I said, this team's going to fight. And, and and I think the one thing that, that we really could say all year is, is this team hasn't been perfect, their approach hasn't been perfect, their level of play hasn't than anywhere near perfect. But they, they are a team that has shown a bit of resiliency. They, they are a team that has shown a bit of fight. And as, as Steve Clifford has mentioned a, a whole lot this year, the, the problem with this team has never been the effort. And I think, honestly, the, the score lines and, and, and how the Magic have really rarely been beaten badly um, in, in any game. I mean, I think, I mean, certainly there are a few of the Milwaukee game, one of the Milwaukee games. Um, you know, there, there are certainly instances where the Magic do, did get beat badly. I'm not saying that. But this team has shown a lot of gr- a lot of fight. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'd call it grit yet. Because um, grit, I think, means you, you find a way to, to win some of these games. But, uh, the, you know, the Magic, the magic are, are not an easy out. And, and, and that was really the case against the Jazz. Orlando had that bad first quarter. But they shook it off and played some fantastic defense for the next two quarters. They really buckled down. They rebounded well. They got out in transition, you know, even when they weren't scoring, because again, Orlando was going to struggle to shoot a little bit. Even when they weren't scoring, they were able to create, you know, good opportunities for themselves, or they were able to to get down and 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 get stops and, and kind of keep themselves in the game. And by the end of the third quarter, Orlando found themselves down by one, a kind of a back and forth affair. It was the kind of game that the Magic want to and have to play in against pretty good teams like Utah. Utah having won nine of their previous ten coming into this game. Where the team fell short is still, I guess, up for debate. Over the course of the first four or five minutes of the the, the fourth quarter, Utah hit five three-pointers. They went on a 15-5 run, and they turned a one-point lead into an 11-point lead. The Magic had done a good job fighting back all night long. Kind of, you know, Utah would race a little bit ahead, maybe five, six, seven points. Orlando would reel them back in. But there was no coming back from this run. Magic just didn't have the horses, didn't have the legs, didn't have whatever. They stayed down, you know, around double digits, never really making another serious threat. The offense too inconsistent. Donovan Mitchell too good. The Magic just did not have enough to keep up. And that short stretch at the beginning of the fourth quarter was really enough for Utah to pull away for a 109-96 victory. 
Again, the Magic had the fight. They didn't have the shots. They didn't have, you know, maybe the def- the complete defensive intensity for, 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 for a full 48 minutes. The Magic were in this game. And overall, you know, having played now their second game since Jonathan Isaac's injury, maybe their second full game at least, the Magic continued to show a lot of fight and a lot of determination. For a team that hasn't practiced since Jonathan Isaac's injury, the team showed a lot of showed a lot of, you know, a lot of the qualities that they're going to need to have. They're going to have to play really strong defense. They're going to have to find ways to make shots. They're going to have to find a way to withstand missing shots. They're going to have to force turnovers. They're going to have to do a lot of different things. And they can't be sloppy themselves. Magic only had 10 turnovers in the game, but some of them were very sloppy turnovers in the third quarter as Orlando was trying to, to take control of the game and take, take control of the lead. But in the end, Utah was the better team. Utah broke down the Magic's defense. They got open threes. They made open threes. And yes, once again, that really was the difference in the game. Utah hitting 16 threes to Orlando's 11. That's 5, 15, 13-point deficit. It's really the difference in the game. The Magic were, were really close in a lot of areas. But again, they didn't have a guy like Donovan Mitchell who could create his own shot. They didn't have a guy like Rudy Gobert who just has a lot of gravity defensively and and really repels everyone in the paint. The Magic were certainly struggling to finish around the rim when he was in. And ultimately, the Jazz just, again, were the better team. No, no fault of their own. The Magic didn't play poorly at all, I thought. I thought the Magic played a really, really solid game for the most part and just got beat by a better team this day. A positive sign indeed. But after the game, Coach Steve Clifford kind of put the loss on himself. Steve Clifford, Steve Clifford said, that loss, you know, yes, we need to make shots and, and, and we got to do that, but that loss was on me because there were coverages that we haven't gone over yet. And with players playing new positions and entering new roles and the Magic sort of facing a new reality, this is really the challenge for the time being, is finding their way to play once again. We'll talk about that here coming up in just a moment. The Utah Jazz defeat the Orlando Magic 109-96 to at the Amway Center. Orlando back in action Monday against the Brooklyn Nets. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But let's run through the final box score for you real fast before we get to the big meat of the show. Terrence Ross leads the Magic in scoring with 24 points, 9 for 16 shooting, 2 for 8 from beyond the arc. Um, I, I'm really liking Terrence Ross's game of late. Um, the, the shooting percentages are coming up. He's, he's really been on a tear lately, but I think he's been a lot better and more selective about when he shoots. Um, I think a big thing and a big part of Ross's game, lately at least, has been that He's not coming around screens and just indiscriminately firing. I think we've seen we'd see we'd see a lot of that. And while I, I think he's a shot player that that can make those shots, teams are rushing him and blitzing those screens a lot better. They're hedging those screens a lot better. And so Ross, kind of taking a beat or 
or kind of resetting himself and then maybe and then getting like a quick screen or, or taking his cut a little shallower so that he's taking a mid-range jumper. I think those are things the Magic have started doing to uh, to, to get him open shots again, to get him more open shots. And, and while, you know, the Magic certainly need him to hit threes because I think that builds a lot of momentum and a lot of confidence for the team, um, I, I also think that just having Ross as a scoring threat creates gravity for everyone else. I mean, you look at the last two games particularly. Ross did a lot of his damage in the first half. He scored 15 of his 24 in the first half, I believe. Um, he did a lot of his damage then. And a big thing that he, that that happens, it happened with those second units to start the second second quarter in both the Miami and the Utah game, is the Magic just played with a lot more energy. And, and they were able to, to kind of take advantage of kind of weaker bench groups. Um, you know, Miami's bench is, is okay. Utah's bench is better than it was when the Magic first saw them in Salt Lake City, but um, not uh, not a great bench group quite yet. Um, you know, I think the Jazz are still kind of figuring out their depth issues. They're still running Donovan Mitchell a lot with those second units and still relying pretty heavily on Donovan Mitchell to carry them offensively, uh, even playing a lot of point guard with, with Mike Conley out right now. Um, but I, I really think that, that Ross has really started to find his groove. And, and I think Clifford's done a much better job of running plays, and Ross has done a much better job reading defenses to get himself open shots. So even though he's not hitting threes, again, he was only two for eight on threes, so six of his seven misses were three-pointers. Um, and, and I think that's okay. I think he can live with that. And, you know, Ross could probably be a little bit more selective with his three-point shooting. Uh, but overall, I, I felt like I felt like Ross did uh, is doing a really good job kind of uh, kind of finding, finding the space in the defense, giving what the defense gives him on screens. And hopefully soon defenses start adjusting, and I mean, it'll be tough for them to give up three-pointers, um, but Orlando's starting to do a lot more different things to get Ross open. A lot of rescreens. I, I really like, there's a play against Miami that I really like, where Ross caught the ball, um, you know, uh, on a pin down, didn't like what he had, so he passed it to DJ Augustin on the wing. He's faked like he was going to the other side of the court, and then immediately cut back to get a Ken Burch screen and drain an open three. Um, that That's the kind of stuff the Magic are running now. A lot of misdirections and rescreens, and, and Burch being such a good screener um, at the power forward position now, I think really will help him too. So, uh, you know, I think the Magic are getting Ross good open looks, and, and I think the Magic are going to benefit from that in the long run. Nikola Vucevic, 22 points, 9 for 19 shooting, 3 for 8 from beyond the arc, 13 rebounds, 5 offensive rebounds, 2 assists, 2 blocks in this one. This is a tough matchup for Nikola Vucevic. Uh, Rudy Gobert is obviously... One of the best centers in the league. Um, you know, I, I, I think that he certainly deserves all-star consideration. I, I think what he does doesn't get appreciated enough. And watching him play, um, he, he, the way he dives to the rim does remind me a little bit of Dwight Howard and the way that the defense kind of has to go with him because he, he's just such a lob threat and, and just takes up so much space. And not just that. It's not just that he's a lob threat. It's he's a rebounding threat. And teams... Are, are have to kind of make sure they bump and keep a body on him because he is such a threat to attack the offensive glass. And again, I don't think I, I've seen someone move like that offensively uh, since Dwight Howard. And 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 I think I mean I think that's honestly a fair comparison because he he impacts the game defensively like Dwight Howard does too. The Magic obviously with Nikola Vucevic feel like they can drag him out to the three point line, and and I think that's a big part of. But the Magic's attack was. There's still, there's still plenty of chances for Gobert to to be around the basket while he didn't block a lot of shots. He's you know changing a lot of shots and, and kind of forcing the Magic to be careful around the paint. Um, you know when you go up against a shot blocker, you got to be aggressive, but you still got to be careful. And and that, I think that's that's a big thing as well. But Vucevic 
Vucevic did get his licks in. Um, he obviously got that big dunk in the third quarter over Gobert. So he got his, his licks in, working the high post, and, and did a good job there. Still kind of hanging around the three-point line too much. And again, he shot three for eight from beyond the arc. That's a fine percentage. He's shooting eight three-pointers. It's probably a little more than he should be. That's that. That's certainly a Gobert effect. Um, but uh, overall, I mean, it, it, it comes down to making and missing shots. If Vucevic hits two of those three-pointers, it's a, it's a very different game. He doesn't have to hit all eight. He, you know, You know, even making one more at the right moment would have completely changed the game. And and I think that the Magic certainly settled a little bit for three-pointers. 37 three-pointers is a lot for them. Um, I, think, I still think their ideal three-point attempt number is around 30, maybe like 31, 32 per game. Um, but, and again, in this game, they had three guys take eight, and Nikola Vucevic, Evan Fournier, Terrence Ross, you know, probably three guys you want taking eight three-pointers if you're going to have three guys take eight three-pointers. Um, you know, DJ Augustin might be the other one. But uh, I, I felt like... I felt like Vucevic was hanging around a little bit too much on the perimeter. I, I felt like defensively he he struggled at times to keep a body on Gobert. Some of that was he had to come and help a lot on defense, and that's kind of the magic strategy. And the low man didn't didn't come get a body on Gobert, and maybe that wouldn't have mattered. I felt, I felt like Gobert, you know, he got five off at, uh, Gobert with I believe seven with seven offensive rebounds. Orlando contested plenty of those. I mean, Utah with 14 offensive rebounds, only 13 second chance points. So it's not like the Magic didn't defend that well, but they did give up a lot of second chance opportunities. And Vucevic has got to be a little bit more active on that defensive glass, especially because the Magic just don't have a lot of really good rebounders. I mean, Bamba and Birch are are not good rebounders at this point. Um, you know, Bamba's showing some signs of life and, and showing some improvement there, um, but overall, they're, they're just they're not quite there yet on, on the glass and. And Vucevic is still the Magic's best rebounder, so he's got to be dominant on the glass. And, and in this game, I, I didn't think he he completely was. So uh, a good game, but not a spectacular one for Vucevic going up against one of the best centers in the league, and, and that's certainly something I think he has to, to be focused on. Aaron Gordon with 11 points, 12 rebounds, 4 for 11 shooting, 1 for 4 from beyond the arc, 2 assists, 3 turnovers, 2 steals. Uh, a, a, a grab back game for Aaron Gordon. Um, you know, second game back from injury, first back-to-back, and, and so you could definitely tell... That there was a that his legs were a little heavy that that he wasn't quite in in game rhythm and his shot over the last few games his three point shot at least hasn't been on point and and so I think you know really all year it hasn't been on point but I I think that Gordon has to continue to take those shots when they're open but not seek them out and again for me with Aaron Gordon it's about quick decisions the the longer he waits to make a decision the more he dribbles the more the defense loads up against him the worse the shot the worse the opportunity is going to be the more he moves quickly and makes quick decisions especially in transition the better off he's going to be in the long run. And and so I think that is still a big part of his game that that has to be developed and has to be made clear for him is, is he has to just be able to make quick decisions. If he thinks too much on the court and court, he's going to be, he, he, that's when he kind of gets into his bad habits. And 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 overall, I thought Gordon was was fine. Um, you know, second game back, I'm not going too crazy over him. Um, the shooting obviously was was down, but but I think I think uh, it'll come eventually. He's getting the kind of looks that you want him to get. So, um, the, the big thing with Aaron, his rebounding's been really good. Um, I I think he's been a, a drastic, uh, not a drastically, but a very improved rebounder this season. Um, I think that's something the Magic desperately need. And and now without you know Jonathan Isaac for a little while. Not that Isaac was a great rebounder, but he was getting better too. Gordon's rebounding is going to be absolutely critical. He's got to help out on the glass, and he's got to get that ball out quickly for the Magic to get out in transition. Evan Fournier struggled in this one. Nine points, four for 15, shooting one for eight from beyond the arc, four assists. He said after the game that he's just got to make shots, and, and that's kind of his thing. That was his thing in the first game against the Jazz. And you know, I think I'm kind of at a point with Evan Fournier where 
He's sort of a, a, a four out of every five nights guy. Um, you know, like I think last year Vucevic was an All Star because it was every night he was good. I think I think I, I would I think we could objectively say in the regular season, Vucevic had two bad games. Just uh, really just two bad games. And and so if you're playing, you know, he missed two games, so 78 good games at an All Star level, that's fine. And and it wasn't that Vucevic needed to have like 30 point games or, or takeover games. He was just solid and consistent all year long. And it was everyone else that kind of fluctuated and filled in the rest. And that kind of consistency was necessary. Um, Evan Fournier this year has played like an all-star, but but really only hits that all-star level, you know, maybe four out of five games. It's just an odd game every once in a while or, or every so often that, you know, maybe he just doesn't have it that night. And and that's that's kind of where he's at as a player, I think. And that's I'm not that's not an insult. That I I think that's a really important level for him to be at. Um he's just he's really consistent, but he's not kind of star level consistent, um, at least for this team. Um, and, and so I think that this was a game where his shot just wasn't there for whatever reason. He was getting the same looks. He was getting to the same spots. You know, he was willing to take it in to Gobert and, and finish around him a few times and hit some hit some tough floaters in in in, in the meantime. But uh, I felt like Fournier was Fournier just didn't have a shot, and, and that's really the only thing that was missing in this game. And again, if he has a shot, the Magic probably have a chance to win this one at, at the end. It's just a couple couple late misses that you know this game really turned on on a few key possessions. Not a lot for the Orlando Magic coming off the bench. Marco Fultz, 3-for-9, shooting 6 points, 7 assists. He continues to do a good job getting into the paint. His shooting, his field goal percentage continues to drop a little bit. He's, he's struggling a little bit with the shot. I would venture to guess some of that is the rookie wall. Some of that is the way teams are defending him. He's willing to take threes. Took three three-pointers, which, which I think is still a good thing. He's not afraid to take that shot, which is good. Um, that'll help him in the long run. But, of course, in this game, probably hurt the Magic a little bit. Uh, DJ Augustin only five points and five assists, so continues to dish the ball out well, uh, just not scoring as, as efficiently. Uh, the one guy I really want to point out, Mo Bamba, I, I loved the game that Mo Bamba had, especially his second quarter. He scores only five points, two for three shooting, one for one from beyond the arc, but five rebounds, two steals, two blocks, and an assist. Um, he is he is playing with a lot more discipline um, defensively. He's not biting on pump fakes. He's just using his length. And I think a big criticism that I've had of him is, yeah, he uses his length to, bl- to block shots, but he he puts himself out of position to do it. And really, he doesn't have to because that length always has him in position. And I think he's doing a lot better job just keeping his hands up, just keeping his arms up and, and challenging shots that way. And doing that is A, going to force players into forced rush shots that are easier to block, and B, will help him avoid fouls. The big thing, though, for Bamba over the last few games, and really, I would say for the last stretch of games, is his rebounding has gotten a lot better. Yes, he still gets pushed off a spot, so he's not an elite rebounder or not a great rebounder by any means. The biggest thing for Mo Bamba is still his, his need to add strength and 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 add strength and, and muscle and, and be a lot stouter in the paint. That's, that's still the big thing with him. And, um, and I think everything else in the offseason is irrelevant for him. He's still about adding muscle. Um, but he is doing a lot better job collecting rebounds, securing rebounds, hitting the offensive glass even. Um, and, and I felt like this game, especially the second quarter, Bamba played about as well as he's played all year and, and probably, I mean, obviously for his career too. Um, you know, it wasn't a high scoring game, so that that might confuse people. Um, but he had a really nice hook shot over Tony Bradley. Um, he grabbed a lot of rebounds. He blocked a few shots. He changed a few shots. Um, and and still even playing a little bit more powerful and out on the perimeter, you know he's making a difference. I mean, one of his blocks was a kind of standstill block on a on a guy trying to post him up, which which is great great individual defense. 
Um, you know, he had a block, I believe, in Friday's game where he blocked a three-pointer, tra- challenging a three-point shot. Uh, Bamba, of course, is, is kind of one of those players that's in the biggest kind of transition mode for this team right now, um, having to play a little bit out of position and a little bit in an uncomfortable spot for him. But uh, I, I think that Bamba is, ultimately, this is all going to help Bamba, and ultimately Bamba is, is making the steps that I think we want to see. Orlando shoots 44.7% for the game, 11 for 37 from beyond the arc, 29.7% there. Just 9 of 12 from the foul line. The Magic did a poor job getting to the foul line in this one. 21 assists against 10 turnovers. The Utah Jazz shoot 45.2%, 16 of 40 from beyond the arc. Again, five three-pointers in the first sort of four or five minutes of the fourth quarter really broke this game open. Only 9 to 14 from the foul line, so the Magic do a good job avoiding fouls. Um, uh, As far as the advanced stats go, uh, the Jazz have a 119.8 offensive rating, so not a great defensive effort, obviously, for the Orlando Magic. And this one, really until that fourth quarter, the Magic were playing fine defense, I felt like, and just things just kind of broke down there. Uh, and that's really where this Magic team is is at now. That's, that's really kind of where the focus is for the Magic right now, is figuring out how to play again. Not, not, not necessarily play, but figure out how to find the right combinations and, and, and kind of keep this team afloat. And a lot of what the Jazz, and Clifford said it after the game, a lot of what the Jazz did in that fourth quarter was simply because the team hasn't had the chance to prepare and, and kind of get themselves set the way they need to get set. And that's really kind of what the next week is going to be about for the Orlando Magic. Um, yes, 10-day contracts are now open. And yes, Jeff Weltman said that the, the Magic will consider adding someone to the roster. But for now, this is the group the Magic have. And now the Magic have to figure out how to make the most of this group as it stands. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, how do they do it? Obviously, one of the big things that that we're paying close attention to is kind of this mismatch on the roster. Right now, the Magic are playing lineups with Ken Birch at Power Forward whether with Mo Bamba or with Nikola Vucevic, it would not surprise me if at some point in the very near future we see lineups with Kember, with Mo Bamba and Nikola Vucevic playing together once again. It didn't work great last year, but um, certainly I think it's something worth trying. But without Jonathan Isaac in the lineup and without Al Farouk Aminu available to them, the Magic are suddenly very thin at power forward. They suddenly don't have a lot of options. And already we're seeing Steve Clifford kind of pare his roster down a little bit. Emil Jefferson, Melvin Frazier, both already out of the rotation after trying them against Washington on Wednesday, um, kind of with a chance to kind of settle things down. Steve Clifford's kind of, you know, unfortunately for them, because I, I didn't think either one played poorly. I didn't think either one made a specifically big impact, although I think Jefferson did some nice things. Steve Clifford essentially is doubling down on the guys he trusts. He's doubling down on players that he knows can play and is willing to put out there. And that's that means 
bigger minutes for Kem Birch and Wesselundu. We'll get to Wes here in a second, but I do want to talk more specifically about Kem Birch. Because Kem Birch is playing completely out of position at power forward. He's never really played power forward much in his career. And Orlando's kind of thrown him out there in a role that Steve Clifford admits he doesn't really know. Clifford said after Friday's game that the first time Birch really went through any of the coverages or schemes for fours and, and the responsibilities of fours on both offense and defense was Friday's shoot-around versus the Heat. Clifford said even after Saturday's game that the re- I mean, he literally said the reason why they lost was was that Orlando hadn't practiced or hadn't gone over certain screenings and certain uh, hadn't gone over certain coverages that that they will need when it comes down to it. So, certainly, certainly, the Magic still have a lot of work to do. And they don't get back on the practice court until Tuesday. So again, they'll have Monday shoot around before the game against the Nets. A big game at that, I must add. They'll have Monday shoot around before the Nets and then a practice Tuesday to kind of get their bearings straight. And until then, it's just kind of about playing on instinct and survival. And obviously, we saw some positive signs of that. Cambridge, I think, from my eye, watching the tape a little bit, did a good job, or did about as good as he could. He was, a, he was certainly aggressive, did a good job closing out, did a good job recovering. I really can't complain too much about how Ken Birch played at Power Forward. Unfortunately, the statistics say something else. The, the starting lineup for the Magic in both games this weekend struggled. With Ken Birch in the starting lineup, they had a minus 24 net point, points per 100 possessions net rating in 12 minutes. With Wessel Wundu in the starting lineup, they were minus 26.1. And 12 minutes. Small sample sizes to be sure. I don't want I want to stress that. And the Magic still close with Terrence Ross at small at small forward. Moving Aaron Gordon to the four. So that's gonna be the closing lineup. The Magic still want to bring Ross off the bench. I think that is still the right decision. Uh, Ross will, will play essentially starters minutes. But but the Magic are gonna struggle a little bit to start games as they figure out a group and a pairing that works. With Ken Birch and Nikola Vucevic on the floor together, the Magic have posted a, 9.7, a minus 9.7 net rating in the last three games. Team isn't defending well, surprising, a 120 defensive rating, but rebounding the ball really well, 79.3 rebound, defensive rebound rate. So some positive signs there, as, you, as you'd expect. You know, and I thought this was the case throughout Saturday's game when Ken Birch was sharing the floor with another big, whether it was Nikola Vucevic or Mo Bamba. The Magic were really good defensively. Or not really good defensively, but really good on the defensive glass. And I felt like watching that, you could see that, okay, everyone is so used to playing against smaller teams. You reintroduce a bigger lineup, and all of a sudden, it, it felt like you had a little bit of an advantage. Maybe just a teensy tiny advantage, but but a little bit of an advantage nonetheless. Of course, that 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 didn't really last, and of course that eventually led to a defeat in the end. The Magic didn't have enough to kind of get over the top and and, and get that win. And in fact, the stats bear this out too. 
Well, the Magic struggle with Vucevic and Birch on the floor together. Bob and Birch sharing the floor was okay. Plus 1.0 net rating with the two on the floor together in the last three games. With a 107 defensive rating. Not a great number. And a 66.7% defensive rebound rate. Not a great number. Again, these are all small samples. So you can't quite buy completely into all of them. This experiment with Birch at the four is out of necessity. Birch is a player that Clifford trusts. And he's throwing him out there, you know, kind of into the deep end. And Birch is doing his best to, to fill in and figure it out. And of course, there's still a lot more he could be doing. Certainly still a lot more that the Magic will need. You can already see the holes and, and the struggles that this group will have together. And so, yes, I would say that this points to the Magic needing to add someone to the roster, a more traditional power forward, perhaps a stretch four type player, someone who can stretch the floor a little bit and kind of maintain the versatility that the Magic like. We'll see exactly what the Magic decide to do or how they decide to do it uh, you know, in, in the next few days. Either way, the Magic are going to give this some time to, to figure itself out. That was the message that Steve Clifford had about Wes Owundu. To this point in the season, Wes just hasn't played enough minutes consistently to gain any kind of rhythm. You know, he'd play a, a lot. He'd play a, a bunch of minutes. You know, fifteen minutes one game. You know, back to not playing for the next five. He's kind of been the fill-in utility player and just hasn't been a regular part of the rotation. And Clifford said, once West starts playing more regular minutes every single game, yes, we will start to see him get back to the level that he was at last year. And again, I, I think West was vitally important to the Magic last year. Was a reli- was a reliable, if not uncomfortable, three point shooter. Um, you know, when, when, he, when he took threes, when he was comfortable taking threes, he was a big, big shot maker for this team. And I would say even Saturday, you could kind of see hints of that. So I, I think Wes will, will turn his season around now that he's part of the rotation again. He still kind of has some wild forays to the rim and, and isn't a great finisher. And, and I think he's still got to limit his time on the ball. But, you know, Wonder's defense is still fantastic. Um, and I think, I think that's, that's something the Magic really, really value and why he's, he's getting this chance again. And again, it's going to take him some time. And the Magic are going to give this some time. But overall, the, the early returns are not that encouraging, statistically. They are doing some good things, and it's going to be vital for Clifford to ensure that those good things get emphasized while he covers for some of the struggles that this group is going to have. It's going to have struggles offensively, for sure, without consistent shooting. And Clifford's going to have to know when to pull the plug if it is not working. Right now, Orlando is essentially 2-1 and one since the Jonathan Isaac injury. So things aren't bad. It's an experiment worth continuing and, and worth figuring out and worth kind of finding the, the limits of. A big road trip is coming up and, and that's certainly going to test this team a lot too. But for sure, the Magic need both Birch and Owundu to step up right now. And if they, if they don't, the Magic need to be able to pull the plug quickly. For now, there's enough good to keep it going. There's enough good, there's enough positive signs to say this is something to keep building on or or keep looking at. Whether it ends up working or not, 
That's the part that only the games will determine. And skepticism is, is frankly a little warranted. All the Magic can do, though, is drill it, find a way to keep moving forward, and find a way to, to keep scratching out wins when they can. And it has to start Monday, because Monday is actually a pretty big game, I, I, I think. As big as an early January game can be. The Magic trail the Brooklyn Nets by one game in the standings for the seventh seed in the playoffs. This is the first time the Magic will face the Nets this year. And I think this is a pretty big game for Orlando. Win this game, you're tied for seventh, and all of a sudden, you're not, breathe, you're not breathing as heavy when it comes to your playoff positioning. And certainly, have an edge over a big competitor. These are the kind of games that you do have to win. The Magic have said, you know, said before facing the Pacers earlier in the year, these are the games we have to win. We believe the Indianas are equal. That's not been the case standings-wise. But. So Orlando cannot waste time. They need these guys to get into rhythm. They need these guys to be effective. But they cannot waste time. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. You can, of course, follow us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore MD. And, of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 